0: uh, you're going to need uh, your Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, we're going to go ahead and we're going to preach um, actually this uh, this message in Romans chapter 8 uh, this morning and um, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to um, talk about the message that we were going to have this morning and uh, just go ahead and, and do that and um, <clears throat> yeah because well we don't like to lose time so that's kind of where we're at. So if you would... Would you open up your Bibles to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, where we're going to be at this morning, is um, Romans, chapter 8, verse 5, uh, through Romans, chapter 8, verse 13. Last week, when we were talking about Romans, we talked about the four realities of who we are in Christ Jesus, and as we were looking at that, we looked at the first four verses, and we understand that we are no longer condemned as we're in Christ. We understand that we uh, are in the family of God, that's what it means to be in Christ, and we're given a substitute, which is Jesus, and so when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we walk as people who are completely set apart, and uh, this morning, we're going to kind of roll in off of that, okay? <clears throat> so, uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, and uh, again, we're going to look at verse 5 through 13. Now, before we start, uh, I, I want you to think if you really truly know me or not, Um do you you know me? Like some people would say, yeah, I know Jordan. I know who he is. Some people would look at it and say, well, I kind of know him. I see him up there on Sunday morning. He's kind of preaching and teaching, you know, or or whatnot. Um, And then some people would say uh, that, man, I I don't really kind of know him at all. You know, they've never kind of been to our church or anything like that. So um, if we look at this, we realize uh, that we are—we um, either know Jesus Christ or we don't know Jesus Christ. Not all who profess Christ really know Jesus Christ on an intimate level. Um, not all—all all people really really know who Jesus is. If in Romans, in Romans chapter one through seven, the Holy Spirit comes up one time. In Romans chapter 8, though, he is mentioned 28 times. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a physical person, uh, but he's a person due to his relationship that he has with God the Father. Excuse me, He is uh, an actual person, and he has a relationship with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is a spiritual being with a personality, and he has the potential to dwell inside of God's creation. So he is a person, and he is God. If we look at this, we realize uh, that the Holy Spirit is a person, and he's also God. Micah tells us with the Holy Spirit, we are full of the power by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, he says no matter where we go, God is going to be there. No matter uh, where we walk, no matter uh, what, we, what we do, the challenges that we face, the Holy Spirit is there. When we know Jesus Christ, God gives us his Spirit, and when he gives us his Spirit, we have the confidence to know that he is with us. I love what the Psalm says. It says, where can I go from God's spirit or where can we flee from his presence? No matter where I go, God's going to be there. So my choice is either I'm going to know him on a really personal, intimate level, or I'm going to choose to just kind of see his existence and not embrace his um, relationship that he offers to me. The moment when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Holy Spirit, he comes to live in our hearts, make, our bodies a temple. Now the Old Testament had a temple where God literally dwelled and in the New Testament it's us where God literally dwells. The Holy Spirit helps us live the Christian life. We we can't be a Christian or serve Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees everything. He knows everything. He searches our hearts. He searches our minds. Nothing is hidden from the Spirit. He knows all of our good stuff. He knows all of our bad stuff, and He knows how to help us mature more in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So, the Holy Spirit creates, He sustains, and He preserves the Christian life. He is with us forever, is what John chapter 14, 16 says. So, when the Holy Spirit, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to come in. He's going to live with us forever. Uh, Through the power of the Holy Spirit is how we live this Christian life. I can't imagine going through life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And also when we have the Holy Spirit, it gives us the opportunity to enter into eternity. Now, the Holy Spirit functions with our mind, our emotion, and our will, and His love is so deep for us that He communicates it when we read God's Word, when we hear the teaching of the Word, and when we get tested. we know that we're going to have some times where we're going to be tested um, in our faith, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes through and helps us mature. He's a comforter, and He's an advocate on our behalf. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. When we enter into our relationship with God, he convicts us of sin. He teaches us how to worship God. He teaches us how to obey God. He teaches us ultimately how to serve God. The Holy Spirit sets us apart from the world, and he seals us in our fellowship with God forever. He comforts us. He rebukes us. He sanctifies us. He enables us with the ability to Resist sin. And He is actually everything that we need in order to truly please the Lord. There's nothing that we can do to please the Lord on our own accord. We have to have some help. And that's where God looks at us and He says, You need help. I'm going to send you the Spirit. The Spirit's going to help you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be there for you. He is the one that you need in order to really truly live a life with me, not only here on this earth, but also in eternity. Okay? So there's two points that I want to look at this morning on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to give you uh, essentially um, four, okay, Um, four areas or, or four things that you can look at on how you can eliminate sin in your everyday life with the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's look at number one. And uh, we'll look at this, and um, if you're taking notes, I would encourage that. Go ahead and uh, write this down, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. We're going to read it in the ESV, and I'm also going to read it to you in the message, okay? So number one, write this down, in everyday life. The Holy Spirit is with us in everyday life. Let's go ahead and look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. It says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit means that we live in life and in peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, Christian, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells within you.
1: Anyone who does not
0: have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Look at verse 11. It says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he raised Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Let me read this a little bit different way for you. Um, If you looked at that uh, in the message, okay, the message simply says, uh, if we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, those who think that they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is opposite of focusing on God. The person, uh, excuse me, anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. The person who ignores God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. In other words, what the message is, is saying to us there is we're either focusing all of our efforts on Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life, or we're focusing on ourselves. If God himself has taken up residence in your life, listen to how the message continues. You can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you, you're welcome him in whom he dwells. Even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it? that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be alive as Christ. Man, that's a good word this morning. So like I said, if you're writing this down, look at this. Number one, what the spirit does is he helps us in our everyday life. The culmination of the six verses is all about Christian behavior. There are two kinds of people. Essentially what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 is there's two kinds of people. One, there are those people who live according to the flesh. In other words, their own will, their own desires. Or there's two, those people who live according to the spirit. One, a person, okay, is either spiritually alive or spiritually dead. There's no middle ground. To see which one we are, we have to discover where our bent is or our course of action or our inclination. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't, um, if you ever made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would call you an unchristian. That is somebody who is bent on the flesh. And they only live according to the flesh. They only want to do things that satisfy their own desires. Philippians tells us in Philippians 3 verse 19 that their end is their destruction. Their God is in their belly. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on the earthly. Their own self-interest. Their own self-effort. There's no indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the non-Christian. First Corinthians goes a little bit further in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person, the person who is living in the flesh, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are a folly to him, and he is not able to understand them. So either we're bent, okay, on living according to the flesh, or we're bent on living according to the Spirit. Those bent on living according to the Spirit have their minds set on God's emotions and God's intellect. They're focused on a life of joy, a life of peace. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, set your minds on things that are above. In other words, set your minds on the deep longings after God, not on the things that are on earth. The true Christian is His only or her only concern is to do the will of the spirit. Galatians continues and it says the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are the, uh, these are opposed to each other to you from doing the things that you want to do. So I am constantly engaged in a war with my flesh or with my self. So we realize that um, when we live a Christian life, we are focusing all of our efforts on the Spirit. So often we love Jesus, but we wrestle with living by the Spirit. Well, why is that so? Well, if you're an unchristian, if you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, somebody who's never confessed and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, your mind is set on the flesh, and it will always be hostile to God because you've never truly made a decision to follow His Son, Jesus Christ. Unrepentant sinners wrestle because there was never an initial surrender to the Spirit. We have to surrender our lives to the Spirit if we don't know who God is through Jesus Christ. Paul says, "...those that are in the flesh cannot please God. They must be transformed," in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, "...by the renewal of their minds." We have to be transformed by the renewal of our minds." Those of us who are Christians who have confessed and believed, while we are transformed through the renewal of our minds, it's important for us to understand that our flesh is still unredeemed. When we come to trust Christ, we still wrestle with the flesh. Our flesh is our humanness. It clings on to us until we physically die. The flesh can't enter into the kingdom of God because it is something that is hostile towards God. But the spirit in our souls, those are things that have been transformed. And in the day of redemption, we will receive new heavenly bodies and we will possess these heavenly bodies with our renewed soul and our renewed spirit. And we will have the opportunity to remove this struggle with our human flesh. So we're engaged in the struggle until the day of redemption, but that's where the spirit comes in because we present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. We don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to live a life that is surrendered in the spirit. And only God's Spirit can produce a true spiritual life. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to take residence in all areas of our life. So the first thing is that we realize that in everyday life we have to cling to the Spirit. And number two, if you're taking notes, Romans chapter 8 verse 12 through 13 tells us that we have to be dependent upon that Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 12 in the ESV. It says, So then, brothers and sisters... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live into the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. The message says it this way. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, uh, or for 12 through 14, Don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing we can do is to give it a decent burial and get on with our new life. The life that God's Spirit beckons us to have. These are things to do and places to go. So we look at this and we realize that we must be dependent upon the Spirit. A true Christian chases God's endeavors over fleshly activity. Believers, those people who have confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, must set their mind so much on the Holy Spirit so that we can have true life and true peace. That's how we experience God as we live dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But we have to understand that without the Holy Spirit's full dwelling, we are unable to please the Lord. And our experiences that we have will have no spiritual benefits if we don't really truly allow ourselves to be dependent upon the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we can't walk in a manner worthy of God's calling unless we are living dependent upon the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 through 19 says, Christ may dwell, the Holy Spirit may dwell in your heart through faith that you four things he tells us. One, are rooted and grounded in God's love, verse 17. Two, have strength to comprehend these things. Three, know the love of Christ and four, be filled with With the fullness of God. Now, note here that a Christian well saved is spiritually dead when they live according to the flesh. In other words, when we go off on our own path, we don't necessarily lose our salvation, but we essentially put God on a shelf and we say, Man, I'm gonna go do what I want to do. I'm gonna do things that are contradictory to what the Spirit tells me to do. They those people cannot please the Lord with their life because the unwillingness to repent and live by the Spirit. So you have Christians who, well, they may know Christians. Christ through salvation, they're not truly pleasing the Lord because they're going and doing their own thing. Christian, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are called to live according to the Spirit, not to your flesh. So we have to go and honor the Lord by living dependence through a relationship with Him unbeliever, those who haven't trusted in Jesus Christ. We have to understand that it is our opportunity to live according to the Spirit. And you have a choice to either accept the fact that God is giving you a Spirit or reject it. Paul Tan's encyclopedia of illustrations tells us this, and I love how it talks about being independence. It says the Romans sometimes compelled a captive to be joined face-to-face with a dead body. So in other words, they would take a prisoner and they would lock him face-to-face with a dead body. And they would bear it about until the horrible odor destroyed the life of the living victim. In other words, they would take somebody who was a criminal, they would tie him up to somebody who was dead, and essentially they would have them be so close that the odor of the dead body would seep into the person's nostrils and it would go and it it would essentially, decay their interior and, and they would essentially die the criminal would essentially be killed because it was chained to something that was dead the living and the dead, if we were to look at this we would see that the living and the dead at this command were coupled face to face and hand to hand until it was choked with the stench, without Jesus Christ we are shackled to our sinfulness without the Holy Spirit we are chained to our death a dead corpse is something that clings to us, <laughs> and we see that only repentance from ourselves and living a life in dependence to our God frees us from certain death. For life and death cannot coexist indefinitely. There has to be a separation of these things. So we're either going to live for Jesus Christ or we're going to live for ourselves. Christians are to Romans eight thirteen put to death the deeds of the body. Jesus said it, and he says it so well. If your right hand causes you to sin, then you go ahead and you tear that out and you throw it away. If your right hand causes you to sin, then you go ahead and you cut that off. We call this radical amputation. No combat is too drastic in dealing with sin. No action is too outrageous to eliminate sin we need to pay the price to eliminate sin so that we can trust Christ and be solidified in a relationship with Him and truly be dependent. Those things that you are struggling with right now, Christian, understand that do whatever it takes to eliminate the death that is clinging on to you. Unchristian, those things that are going on in your life, those hardships that are happening in your life, God is calling you to Him. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him. He wants you to put His, He wants to put His Spirit within you so that you can be dependent on him so that you know that those trials you don't have to face alone. And when you come to know him as Lord and Savior, those trials that you experience in your life are helping you become more like Jesus Christ. We need to pay the price to eliminate sin because let me tell you, it's worth it. Christians are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. We should walk in those ways. We should walk in God's ways. And that means we should be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. We'll fail from time to time, absolutely. But we have to understand that in accomplishing God's will, we must press on Philippians chapter 3 because Christ Jesus has made us his own. We must forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Towards the goal, towards the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Continually what Romans 8.14 says, he says, put to death the ungodly deeds of the body. If we continue to find ourselves in sin, then we have to ask, where is our focus? Is our focus on living in the Spirit, or is our focus in living in sin? We have to understand that Satan loves to attack the spiritually satisfied person. Christian, are you spiritually satisfied, or are you digging deeper into the Word of God? Are you content with yourself? If you're content with yourself, have you lost focus of being truly a person who's living in God's commitment. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. And let me tell you what, that is a everyday struggle until we get to eternity. We will set our minds on the things that are above, live daily into dependence with the Holy Spirit, who is with us in every single aspect of our everyday life, not on the things that are of earth, because we have died to those things, and our life is hidden with Christ, is what Colossians tells us in chapter 3. It's never too late to serve the Lord. Non-Christian, it's never too late to come and to know the Lord. Christian, it's never too late to turn away from your flesh and come back into a relationship that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit, or oh, that we would contemplate God's opinion of our life. The goal of the believer is to contemplate what God would want us to do in every single aspect of our life. I'm, rem- I'm reminded of the old bracelets that said WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's something that we should think about all the time. Not just what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus think? What would Jesus contemplate? Would he really look at it, which he would, And say, what does God want me to do here? What does God want me to think about here? How can I set my mind on the things that are above? Well, looking at dependence and realizing that we need to be dependent upon the Spirit in our everyday life, as well as be dependent in all areas of our life, we understand that some of us are still struggling with sin. A lot of us are struggling with sin. If we'd be honest, every single one of us is struggling with, with sin. And let me tell you something, friend. If you're having trouble eliminating sin in your everyday life, you're not alone. And let me give you four ways to eliminate your sin. This is really the heart of our message today. And let me tell you something. This is so powerful for you. And I hope through the power of the internet, this is something that is really going to seep into your soul. What is the sin that you're struggling with? And as you're struggling with this sin, try these four areas out and let's see if we can eliminate that sin. Be dependent upon the spirit of the Lord in every single area and aspect of our everyday life. First and foremost, if you're taking notes, write this down. We need to recognize that we have a sin and repent of that sin. Recognizing repentance is something you can do right here sitting in your living room. Confess willingly the evil that lies close at hand. Oftentimes there's so many things that I wrestle and I struggle with that God knows I wrestle and I struggle with, but he wants me to be honest about those things in the privacy of our quiet time together. God, I'm struggling with this. God, I'm wrestling with this. And he says, just tell me what you are struggling with and repent of that. God, I don't want to struggle with that anymore. I want to put that in your hands. I know that you're a good God. I know that you're a great God. So let me just give this over to you. If we don't confess our sins to the Lord, it leads to greater satanic influence. If we don't confess our sins, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we not only confess our sins to the Lord, we confess our sins to each other. And so when we confess, it does something, it brings it out in the open, it starts a recognition process, almost like if you're in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, they make you stand up and they make you say, hey, my name is whatever, I am an alcoholic. God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to recognize the issue so we can lead to repentance because repentance wills the war against the soul. It wins the war against the soul. See, 1 Peter 2 tells us that as soon as we recognize and we repent of it, man, it just kind of opens up a gateway because whenever we bring that darkness to the light, we understand that the light eliminates that darkness. I confess my sins to God. I go to my brother and my sister and the Lord. And guys, that's a brother. Girls, that's a sister. And we say, hey, I am struggling here. The psalmist knew this very well. He said, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of the everlasting. He's just essentially pouring out his life to God. He's recognizing and repenting of his sin. He's allowing the light to pour into the darkness. Don't let the cap be on the bottle. Make sure that you open it up and let it out. Number two, once that is out, have a heart that is consumed with Christ, A heart that is consumed with Christ meditates and obeys what God's word says. God speaks to us in his word. He tells us exactly what we need to know. And a lot of times we think God is silent because we're not in his message. And so we have to understand that it is the only offense offense that we have. And it's the only defense that we have against sin. The more I read, study, meditate, and understand God's word, the more I hear God's voice. The psalmist wrote that he was not ashamed when he looked upon God's commandments. The psalmist tells us that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. As well as the disciples tell us the same thing in the New Testament. Psalm chapter 119 says, I have stored your word in my heart. I've taken these things and I've made them my own. And I am not ashamed of that, that I might sin against you. And in other words, the psalmist tells us that there is a struggle. Hey, there is this problem. But as soon as we open it up and we let it out, we let Christ in and we let him consume our hearts and speak to those areas in which we're struggling the most. And let me tell you something, church. Let me tell you something, friend. Let me tell you something, guy or girl who's listening online. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit is cold water to a sin to a heart that is drenched with sin the holy spirit is cold water to a heart that is drenched with sin So as I open myself up, as I communicate these things, as I communicate them to God, as I communicate them to another person, somebody who I can trust, somebody who I can talk to, and I understand that God comes in, that Christ comes in, he starts to to dwell within me, he he starts to really fill me up through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now it's my response to continue to communicate. Number three, I want to continue to communicate with God in prayer. See, true prayer always has an element of confession before it. See, we can't ask the things of God unless we repent of the things that we have taken play or taken, uh, participated in, excuse me, of sin, of the world. So we have to understand that we never come to God completely sinless due to the battle that we have with the flesh. So it's our responsibility to confess our sins and to open up those things, let Christ come in, and then continually communicate as we struggle with sin. Look at this uh, from 1 John chapter 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, then we're going to deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, this is the key thing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. He will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar. And God is not in us. Did Did you catch that? At the very end of that passage, it says his word is not in us. So, I have to confess my sin, recognize and repent of it, have a heart that is consumed with Christ, and constantly, over and over, daily, minute by minute, as we approach an avenue of prayer with God, we have to understand that we have to constantly communicate with God, and when we constantly communicate with God, we go, God, this is where I'm a sinner, but here's where you can come in and you can save me. Now, this is the thing that we always miss in regards to our prayer life, and that is be obedient in the small things that God is asking us to do. Friend, if you have a sin that is a monumental mountain that you don't think can come down, I understand. But God's calling you to be obedient as you slowly climb the mountain of confidence to completely eliminate that sin. See, we have to be obedient in the small. The thing that you're struggling with, Satan wants you to see as a monumental mountain that towers over you. Satan wants you to look at that one particular problem. And he wants you to look at that and focus on that thing and see how big it is. But God wants you to say, hey, hold on a second. I'm right here. I'm right next to you. We've admitted that there's a problem. Now let's slowly walk up the mountain because we are in process of completely eliminating sin that has power over us. And the only way that we can do that is live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And that's how we do that every day life. Every single part of our, of our day, every single part of our life is going to be lived in dependence of God. And that's how he gets us through to the other side. That's how he gets us to the top of the mountain. That's how we eliminate some of those problems. That's how we take hold of some of our sins is we have to be obedient in the small. If we have the opportunity to pray the prayer of God, eliminate this sin, let me be consumed with Christ. Then we have to be obedient in the small. Being obedient in uh, life's kiddie pools, as we would say, is the practice ground to be obedient in life's oceans. If we cling to the Spirit, we have the ability to live out God's commandments and overcome the things that take hold of our soul, that take hold of our mind, that take hold of our Flesh that take hold of our bodies. Nothing good is in us except for that which we allow sin to have access to. And nothing good can come out of us unless we let God have access to those things. Only Christ can complete our areas of imperfection. I love what Romans says and Paul communicates to us just in the previous verse. He says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. But as we know, when Romans 7 continues, we understand that God helps us carry it out through the power of his spirit. Know this church, know this friend, know this person who's listening online. Maybe you go to our church, maybe you don't. We are able to destroy sin in our lives when living in complete dependence upon the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who we can access every single day, every single minute, every single second of our life. We have to understand that when we're struggling with a sin, when we're struggling with a problem, when we're struggling with an issue that Satan wants to use to put distance between us and God, it is our opportunity, not our obligation to recognize and repent of that sin, to come to the Lord fully um, transparent, having a heart that wants to be consumed with Christ. We need to pray the prayer, Lord Jesus, consume my heart with the things of your word. We need to look at God and say, and Press the truths in scripture on my heart. We need to look at the the Lord who created the heavens and the earth and say, God, would you forgive my sin and help me to be in a relationship with you that is constantly in an attitude of prayer and constantly in a life of dependence? And Lord Jesus, would you help me? This is the biggest thing that we can communicate this morning is, would you help me be obedient in the small things? Friend, I don't know what you're struggling with. But I will say, do those things this morning. Do those things, if you're listening to this later, this afternoon, do those things this evening. Pause this video. Pause this audio. Recognize and repent of your sin. Ask Jesus Christ to consume your heart with His Holy Spirit. Fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Be in a relationship of constant prayer. And be obedient in the small so that you can tackle the big. That's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer that you would overcome sin. That's my prayer that we would believe what Romans chapter eight says in verse thirteen. That we would live according to the Spirit. And we would put to deed, or we would put to death the deeds of the body, so that we will live. <clears throat> Let me pray for you this morning. Let me pray that God would do a great work in you. Let me pray that even in your home today, God would do an amazing work in you. Through you and have the opportunity to grow and develop you. Friend, if you're listening to this and you're, an un- and, you're, and you're not a Christian, you don't call yourself a Christian, trust Jesus Christ today. Receive the free gift of God's Spirit. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help us uh, recognize and repent of the sin in our life. God, I pray that you would help us to have a heart that is just consumed with you, God, I pray that the people who are listening would really understand what it means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would help us continue to pray for the sins that are going on in our life. I pray, God, that these people would continue to just, oh man, that they would just be so consumed with you that they would be obedient in the small stuff. God, we know that you have great things in store for us, but we have to be obedient in the small. I pray that you would help us to live lives that are just so drenched in the power of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, we know that we're in a battle with the flesh. We understand that we are just in a war with ourselves. And we can't do this life without being dependent upon you, your spirit, your son, because you are such a good dad. You're a good father. You're a good God. And we love you for it, God. Help us use this message. May it just seep into the deepest parts of our soul. And may we see that it's worth it to live like christ that it's worth it to live as christians oh god thank you so much for everything that you've done it's in the power of your name that we always pray and all god's people said you can even say it at your home amen thank you for listening to the community gospel church podcast if you would like to support this ministry financially simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the contribute tab